Now, the story of St. Patrick is truly international. Of course, he wasn't actually an Irish fella at all. He was a Welsh missionary. He brought the word of Rome to the people of Ireland. And although St. Patrick's Day will be celebrated globally today, it is a little-known fact that he's also the patron saint of another nation entirely, which is not one that you would probably expect, because it's Nigeria. Uh, Bound to Ireland today by a certain amount of migration and also by a certain amount of colonialism, um, how exactly did Patrick become the patron saint of that nation? Well, if that doesn't sound like a perfectly festively appropriate version of Hidden Histories with Donald Fallon, I don't know what is. Donald, how are you? good to be here. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Um, It is a day for Patrick, even if some historians disagree about exactly who Patrick was. There's there's an awful lot of debate over early Christianity uh, in in Ireland, and I'm happy to say I'm I'm a historian of the early 20th century, so it's not my field at all. But it's no day for cynicism, and it's no day for historical accuracy. Mm. And you know, many historians maintain that there were actually Christian missionaries in Ireland before St. Patrick, uh, including this great character, St. Palladius. And you know, converting an already converted people isn't quite as impressive, but anyway, uh, when Flann O'Brien was asked to comment on all of this back in the day, you know, the evidence that St. Patrick may have actually not been the first in the field and it may have been this guy, St. Palladius, Flann O'Brien quipped, he said, The Irish are funny people, we have no God. And two St. Patrick's, which is true though, because we do conflate apparently the the role of the two guys. That a lot of the things that are attributed to Patrick were actually Palladius before him, and the two have just been. But in a time before social media, I'm sure Patrick brought the the good word to some corners Mm. of Ireland. Whatever about Patrick's life, you know, we're here to talk about his afterlife. That's a more concern to me, and the kind of extraordinary spectacle uh, that is St. Patrick's Day in Dublin, in New York, and as we'll discuss today, uh, in Nigeria. And I think it's a beautiful thing, especially for the Irish uh, diaspora. I think about friends today in London and Boston. Mm where this day means so much. You know, it's a statement of identity. It's almost without rival. And as you know from where you've been yeah. uh, in the last week, isn't it extraordinary that an island of, of six and a half million people and a nation state of less than five million people get a guaranteed audience every year yeah. from the President of the United States of America. That is without precedent. Nations multiple times our size could not even dream yeah, of that. But even before the incarnation of, of the modern state and that whole diplomatic side of it, it has always been a day that's had huge symbolic power. It has. I mean, the New York Parade, which is just an incredible spectacle, that began in the 1760s. I mean, that's even before the famine. We think about the famine mm. as this beginning of mass emigration from Ireland. And there we have this parade that's, you know, 80 years older than it. And, you know, at home the day in politics have always been quite close. You know, if you look at things like Patrick's Day during the Irish Revolution, there's a, there's a great hidden history in that. Patrick's Day 1916, the volunteers marched through the streets of Dublin armed and ready to go. I looked at the newspapers for uh, 100 years tomorrow to see what happened on Patrick's Day 1919 okay. in Ireland and it seems to have been disastrous. This is from one of the local papers. Patrick's Day celebrations in Waterford were marred by disgraceful scenes. <laughs> the procession, which was composed chiefly of Sinn Féiners, volunteers and the Workers' Union, which Sinn Féin bands from the city in Tranmore. As the procession passed Castle Street, a crowd of women and others made an attack on the leading volunteers and after a fierce struggle the volunteers put the opposition to flight. Yeah. So not quite what we'll see today on the, on the cobbled streets no, of Temple Bar. No giant Magnus heads going on there. <laughs> giant no. Magnus heads in 1990 in Ireland. But it's a day that has always had this great symbolic power. Uh, but today we are not just talking about Ireland, we are also talking about uh, Nigeria. How, how did Nigeria come up? Yeah, Some, some listeners may remember uh, in 2017 Donald Trump welcoming uh, Enda Kenny to the White House. Yeah. He read an Irish proverb. Yes, we have audio from that. Let's take a listen. As we stand together with our Irish friends, I'm reminded of that proverb. And this is a good one. This is one I like. I've heard it for many, many years, and I love it. Always remember to forget the friends that proved untrue. But never forget to remember those that have stuck by you. We know that, politically speaking. A wonderful proverb. Mm. Plenty 
of wisdom there, but, but not quite Irish. Uh, Actually, <laughs> the words are attributed to a Nigerian poet. <laughs> so if you Google uh, yeah. Irish proverbs, it comes up early on. I think that's what happened. But in its own strange way, there was something kind of poetic uh, in this blunder, as there sometimes is in the blunders of Donald Trump, because St. Patrick is not only the patron saint of Ireland, he's that of Nigeria as well. Uh, and that all comes along because um, Ireland, particularly in the early years after independence, it kind of viewed itself as part of this completely anti-colonial it, world. It but did. sort yeah, of went about it in another way, though. It's kind of important to give a sense. Ireland's early political leaders, in particular the de Valera administration, they always regarded Ireland as a nation which had emerged from colonialism and was part of this broad anti-colonial world that spread across continents, you know. Mm. And that manifested itself in some very clear friendships and fraternities. Probably the closest one was with India. But, you know, it was, it was much deeper than that. And when de Valera was president of the League of Nations, we looked at that yeah, before in this yeah. slot, he was a very passionate defender of the rights of small nations, places like Ethiopia, you know, post-colonial societies. And we actually opened our first ever embassy on the African continent in Nigeria, uh, in Lagos. And when they achieved their, their, their independence, our Taoiseach, Sean Lamas, actually travels to the ceremonies and celebrations which marked the birth of an independent Nigeria and almost no other Western leader had done it. Mm. So Nigeria would have regarded Ireland historically as a political ally. Yeah, uh, but even before Dev or Lamas, you even go back even further, uh, Casement. The great Roger Casement. He worked in the country. uh, Before he became a political radical, he was a kind of member of the British colonial service. And Casement worked there in Old Calabar in southeastern Nigeria. And the quote is is brilliant biographer Angus Mitchell. He says, that is a location deeply implicated in Britain's lucrative slave trade with Africa in the 18th century. I think the impact of that legacy on the region, you know, left an incredible imprint on the consciousness of Roger Casement. And what he witnessed in Africa and, you know, that beating hard humanitarian that he became mm. influenced so much of, of Irish nationalism at home as well. Uh, but of course before there was any diplomats, before there was Lamas, even before there was Casement and of course the reason why St. Patrick is so known in Nigeria anyway is because we sent the missionaries out we there did. first. And a, a comedian once joked that the Irish have our own kind of colonial history in the form of Christian missionaries and it's true, you know, there's considerable irony uh, in this tale actually in, in recent times an awful lot has changed very quickly a couple of years ago an Irish bishop was quoted in the Irish Times as saying there was a time when we sent missionaries to Nigeria now the wheel has come full circle mm. and they are sending missionaries back yeah, to us yeah. and there's actually been a number of Nigerian priests appointed to rural Irish parish- parishes uh, in recent years yeah. so things have changed and changed very very much but in the 1960s Nigeria had a phenomenal presence of Irish missionaries and it was at the time that Ireland opened her embassy in Lagos in 1961 that Patrick has proclaimed the patron saint uh, of Nigeria. So it's that recent? Okay, so, so, that so recent. even though there, there's centuries of missionaries or, or there's certainly decades at least that it took until that long for it to be kind of formalised. I think it's hard okay. for us to get a sense just how significant for Nigerian diplomacy us opening that embassy was. Mm. What, it, what It gave them a sense of nationhood and it was the influence of Irish missionaries and bishops uh, on, on the region as well. Enda Staunton wrote about this and he said if Ireland's overseas missions can be spoken of as a religious empire, then Nigeria was the jewel in the crown. <laughs> yeah. At a time when one in every 120 Irish adults worked abroad in a missionary capacity. Isn't that amazing? Their greatest concentration must be found in that country. The Irish influence ran throughout every level of the church of Nigeria's three archbishops. One of them, McCarthy, was Irish, and as were the secretaries of the other two. Uh, and they presented him then as a real uh, modernising force, that it wasn't just this classic 5th century thing, that they really tried to present him as this 20th century Absolutely, this person. man who pulled Ireland out of the hand of the pagans you know he becomes mm. this great symbol and Bishop John Shanahan who goes to Nigeria in 1902 he really paves the way for a lot of the Irish missionaries that followed he has a very high idea of himself actually Bishop Shanahan and he compares himself to St. Patrick which takes a certain degree of confidence and he says that he had a country peopled by a wild pagan tribe 
so have I. You know, not the, not the greatest review of Nigeria. <laughs> and his tale is curious because he actually makes a very deep bond, this guy Shannon, with the, the Igbo people. Mm. But at the same time, the language he uses describing Nigeria in kind of dispatches home and at the occasional lecture in Ireland is kind of problematic. Yeah. You know, he sees himself, as Patrick did, as a man bringing light to darkness. Um, did the Nigerian people know much about Ireland? Because clearly they were very familiar with these Irish priests, but I mean, they weren't going to be setting up the Lagos Gales hurling team. No. <laughs> Perhaps there, I mean, some, there is a wonderful picture in History Ireland a couple of issues ago of a hurling team in China and I think like 1910 set up wow. by missionaries there and Chinese lads holding hurls so it could have yeah, happened there it, may it be. was huge in Argentina before one of the world wars uh, and it was only completely disrupted then and there is a district in Buenos Aires called Hurlingham which is named after the yeah, Irish sport and there remains a hurling club there like called the Buenos Aires Hurling Club uh, but they took up cricket because after the hurlers stopped getting exported out there it just completely fell off the radar anyway well, total side note to tell us who won the club final in Nigeria last <laughs> yeah. year that would be 53106 Lagos Gales Lagos Gales they do seem to have some awareness of what was happening and I suppose just the sheer number of Irish missionaries in the country meant news from Ireland would have made its way mm. in and one contemporary jokes that during the Biafran uh, civil war he says one programme which has attracted a lot of comment has been Freedom Ways a series of readings given every week and more than once has featured the works of Patrick Pierce, Thomas Davis Wolf Tone Joseph ah, Mary Plunkett okay. and almost every other Irish poet patriot you care to name there are no prizes for guessing about the people who made their libraries available yeah, yeah. so you know I think I think Irish missionaries are more than willing okay. uh, to expose the Nigerian population to a little bit of nationalism okay, as so well as a bit of religion they knew their fair amount uh, and Irish brands have done well in Nigeria too one in particular a very curious tale uh, probably also entangled with the missionaries uh, who no knows? doubt yeah. concerned Stout 1962 so the year after we opened that embassy in Nigeria Nigeria had become the largest export market in the world for Guinness 100,000 barrels were exported into that country mm. every year and actually Guinness opened a brewery in Nigeria which was only the third Guinness brewery in existence after Dublin uh, and London but they drink a different Guinness from us I actually think mm. the Guinness they drink is nicer and it's kind of difficult to find well, it it's in stronger isn't it? it's much stronger you can sometimes get it in kind of migrant focused uh, supermarkets yeah. but it's called Guinness uh, Foreign Extra I suppose it has to be different because of the very different climate that they live in but mm. if you haven't tried one get your hands on a bottle of it uh, So today being St. Patrick's Day uh, I can't imagine that there will be very many hoolies or the aforementioned Bocknes heads going down the main streets of Lagos or no. anywhere else And it's not a national holiday uh, in Nigeria even though he is the patron saint uh, and it's not widely marked unfortunately but last year I mean the Irish state did something quite interesting they invited Nigeria to take part in that annual global greening that we do you know, Oh yeah monuments all over the world and great architectural structures are lit up in green for the day and they did it in uh, Abuja in Nigeria so uh, you know I'd like to see more and more of this in, in, in the years ahead I think to be honest Af- Africa has changed Nigeria has changed Ireland has changed and while many Irish people will be surprised to hear that St. Patrick is the patron saint of Nigeria I think at this stage many Nigerian people will be surprised to hear it <laughs> uh, as well but it is a curious kind of historical relic of a different time and what we like to refer to back then as our spiritual empire Well law uh, Banati on law Ariv Galer uh, Donald thank you so much as ever Donald Fallon is the author of the Come Here To Me book uh, books and indeed books two of them uh, volume two in all good bookshops now and of course the blog If St. Patrick well. could do something about the way St. Patrick's athletic are playing at the moment I'd be delighted <laughs> <laughs> you got the final one in there as ever thank you very much